They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. Your Comics 313. Hey, I found out something interesting about um, Legion of Superheroes now. Uh, the Comixology app has a lot of the adventure comics, the early Legion of Superheroes stuff there. But they have some odd skips. For example, uh, this week, Adventure Comics 313, 314, and 315 are not on Comixology. Mm-hmm. But they did have the previous episodes, 311 and 312. Yes. So it goes to 312, then it jumps to 316. And then after 316, it jumps to number 340 in that All the way list. to 340. Yeah, so I just found that kind of interesting and, and uh, letting people know that, you know, if you want to get some of these classic tales, you mm-hmm. can find them over at Comixology. Just not all of them. Not all of them. Adventure Comics number 313, The Condemned Legionnaires. Published October 1963. Written by Edmund Hamilton with art by Kurt Swan. The Legion's most terrifying villain yet may actually be someone they know. Can they unravel the puzzle before half the team dies? The Condemned Legionnaires, Matthew. uh, I found out something that is... Something that I really hadn't realized before. What's that? That cleaning the rocket tubes is like a big deal for the Legion. Because this is the second time at least that we've seen the Legionnaires make a mention to better clean those rocket tubes before something goes wrong. Yeah. So rocket tube well, cleaning and repair is a duty that you have to check check mark off. And you know what I bet? You know, all the time we always see the Legion has that spinning wheel with all of their pictures beside it. That's not to pick who's going to be the president. That's the spinning (laughs) wheel to figure out who's got rocket tube cleaning duty. Who's got the scut work. Yeah. Interestingly, though, I mean, when you think about it, it's nice to see that level of continuity with those rocket tubes. But you also have to keep the rocket tubes clean or else terrible things happen. What if your rocket tubes explode? I wonder if they could have just like a giant pipe cleaner that just goes in there and just cleans that out. They Maybe could. Get, uh, would... Chameleon Boy? No, I'm going to get Chameleon Boy to do it. No, I was thinking of uh, of what's his name uh, from Mary Poppins to uh, get in there and do some chimney sweeping. Oh, Dick Van Dyke. That's who it is. Oh, no, mate. You like some steak and kidney <laughs> pie in the 30th century. What? There's also a bunch of other things that we learned about this uh, in this issue is that there are some crazy ass planets out there and Supergirl knows about them, but is not let on to anyone else. So for example, um, they take these kids to quarantine world, Mm -hmm. quarantine world. It's the world of quarantine. Well, and the female legionnaires have been stricken by a strange, Crimson Virus, all of the female Legionnaires, including Night Girl of the mm-hmm. Legion of Substitute Heroes, yeah. has been stricken with this disease, and they need to go to Quarantine World because, as we've seen, there's Superboy Planet, there's the Amusement Park Planet, there's the planet where everything is a Busby Berkeley musical. Well, there's planet, there's Puppet Planetoid. Yes! I love the Puppet Planetoid. It's terrible. 
And I want to say that it actually turns up again years and years and years Does later. It, this totally is another abandoned. one. That, this is another one that I want to really see. It's like here are some great ideas, people. Why did you not explore them further? Or why haven't the giants that live in this other dimension reached through and grabbed one of the Legion members, preferably Bouncing Boy, and used them as their rubber bouncing ball in their dimension? Well, because the the creatures, people, whatever you want to call them of the puppet planet, are in fact noble creatures of thought who just entertain themselves with giant puppets in an alternate dimension, like you do. Yeah. So as you mentioned, the uh, all the female members of the Legion of Superheroes have come down with a crimson virus. And I've crimson. got a kind of a problem with this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, again, we've talked before about how progressive the Legion of Superheroes was, especially in the beginning where you have one of the co-founders, one of the presidents is, is Saturn right. Girl. And then it just seems over the last couple of years of the Legion Adventures the role of the female has kind of been pushed away, almost to the point where I felt like that the Crimson Virus was the equivalent of, ooh, girls have cooties, stay away from them, we got to put them in a quarantine world, boo, yucka. And it just yeah, seems that... kind of really, I don't know, really kind of disappointing. But I mean, uh, for a yeah. gimmick, for what's going on in the story, I can understand everything that's going on. But why did the villain, and we'll get to the villain in just a moment, why did the villain only have to attack girls? She could have attacked anyone else and done the exact same thing. But it almost mm -hmm. seems to perpetuate a a thing that girls are bad and we have to send them away so that the boys can have their club. It is disappointing. And I feel like this is one. There, there are a few issues in the adventure run specifically that have some serious kind of gender flags that feel... Not like 3064, but in fact, like 1964. And mm -hmm. when I told my wife what we were doing, and I'm like, yeah, they, the female members of the Legion have this strange crimson virus. And she stopped and she looked at me and went, is that is that a pun? Is that some sort of double meaning? And then I explained that they were being quarantined away from the boys on the on the, the planet, the quarantine planet. And she's like, did they do this on purpose? Because she thinks it's a double meaning. She thinks that it's referential. And yeah, I'm like, that's that's interesting, too, because I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. So it's nice that your yeah. wife weighed in on that, because in yeah. some cultures, when mm -hmm. it comes to, you know, that time, they are sent right. away. And she was adamant just from hearing the the description here that somehow this is a veiled reference to menstruation. And I'm like, I I can't say that it's not because there's there's so much there. I'm wondering if it was intentional or not. I know, and that's why I get back to this thing about, you know, it's it's yeah. it girls almost, have cooties. Girl girls germs. have cooties. They're gross. Get away from them. Stay away. And, and just even though that's not the the point of this issue at all, right. It's just something I couldn't get out of my mind saying, wow, it just it really is It's troubling. Yeah. And it, yeah, it makes for a fabulous cover because the cover of this issue is top-notch stuff. It's, oh yeah, they're all purple I, I faced. Say that, and... Yeah, but I want to say that it's a Swan cover, and if you look at well, he it, did the art throughout really, this whole issue, so it wouldn't surprise me if he also did the cover. It's really, really fascinating to actually break this down and look at it and say, well, I understand that you know in the Silver Age of comics, often the issues were put together with the expectation of let's create a cover and then reverse engineer a story that fits with it. So I can imagine that cover being built first without thinking, 
what is it going to, I mean, what's the theme going to be here when something strange takes out all of our female characters and then the male characters are basically forced to treat the entire, you know, an entire third of their team as a damsel in distress. It is problematic. And I, I really believe that I have, I have an explanation of why it happens. Well, I kind of like your wife's take on this because the villain is a female super, is a female super. Mm-hmm. who goes by the name Satan Girl. Satan and if girl. you're going by a lot of the um, stereotypes of right. what happens when someone is on their menstrual cycle, right? having someone turn evil and, and bad yep. seems to kind of tie into that. Now, I'm sure we're, we're probably reading way, way, way too much into this. Eh, it's, you know, we've been doing that for 14 issues. Why stop now? But with, but with, you know, probably half of their readership girls mm-hmm. at this time. I'm sure many of them identified as much with what was going on as as your wife did. It is entirely possible. I firmly believe, though, that the reason this happens is because this is not a Legion of Superhero story. No, it really isn't. And I got to remember that Adventure Comics, while the Legion of Superheroes often had the first story. Adventure mm-hmm. Comics is all about Superman and or Superboy and Supergirl, Supergirl and, and, and everything else super that goes horse on. Superhorse and Super Chicken. Yeah, yeah. This is a Supergirl story. This is pre- I mean, had this been presented as an issue of Supergirl or a backup in Adventure with a Supergirl title, it would have been just as legit. This is a Supergirl story featuring Superboy and the Legion and a few other super. Well, and types. The, the the Legion of Super Pets also appear. And so here's a really cool part of this book is that this may be the first time, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, that we see Supergirl and Superboy mm-hmm. in the issue at the same time when all the Legion members are present. You may be right, actually. I can't remember. And then the... throw in the Legion of Super Pets and the, the Legion of Substitute Heroes and the Legion of Superheroes. This is like a a hat on a hat of everything that you want in your in your <laughs> Legion of Superheroes hat sandwich. And the thing that's really great is this is the second appearance of the Super Pets, and as yet, they are being treated as a serious force to be reckoned with. The Super Pets are actually treated as the emergency backup team that the Legion of Substitute Heroes wants to be. I know, right? Poor Legion of Substitute Heroes. The subs are like, we want to help. No, I'm sorry. You're not a horse. We got a cat and a monkey. You're not a monkey. Yeah. We've got a monkey. Why would we need you, Polar Boy? Actually, we've got a cat, a dog, a monkey, and a, a centaur who got changed into a horse, who got changed into a human, who got... No, wait. Was he a... Uh, he was a horse that got turned into a human that got turned into a, a cent... Yeah, don't try to figure it out. My brain explodes, but it's common! So here's the thing. Satan Girl... Satan Girl. Oh my gosh, 1960, 1963, and you've got an edgy character with the name Satan? That's That's... pretty, that's pretty crazy. And of course, now that we're talking about the other part of the problematic part of this issue, it makes it even more sad. But can you imagine uh, Hamilton sitting there at his his, his typewriter and going, hmm, hmm, what shall I call this evil character? Oh, I know, Satan Girl. And then Mort Weisinger, or whoever is the, uh, the editor at the time, going, yeah, Satan Girl, let's go with that. And go then the, the and then the censors are like, yeah, sure, go ahead. As long as you don't have Satan on the cover, then you're okay with it. 
Well, the Comics Code Authority is like, does it say zombie in the issue? Okay, you're good. <laughs> they don't care. So the, the weird thing about Satan Girl is, mm-hmm. so uh, the boys figure out they, they don't know how to handle this crazy Satan Girl. So the Supergirl uh, calls up uh, from the time stream, and they bring another, her into the story. Another plus for me, because they've got, they've got power, they've got brains, they've got all this stuff, and they're like, we don't know how to fight a girl. We don't know how to deal with girls, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so yeah. problematic. What a horrible yes. issue this is. But they call in Kara Zor-El, the mighty Supergirl, from the future of their past. Yes. And uh, every time she tries to take down Satan Girl, Satan Girl is right there with something that counteracts um, what's, uh, what uh, Supergirl was going to do. Even when she tries to take them to this secret puppet planetoid that no one knows about but her. Yep. Suddenly, Supergirl is, or Satan Girl is there raining red kryptonite down on people or green kryptonite or, you know, trying to zap them with lasers. And she just matches them point for point for point until even the, the Legion of uh, Super Pets have to be called in to try to battle this. And uh, they end up on this, they end up on this really weird world. And yeah. maybe it's Puppet Planetoid. I don't remember which one it is because they jump to a couple of different planets in this issue. They do end up on Puppet Planetoid when the Super Pets attack. Okay. But they end up on this weird planet where there's these ugly, round, bouncing creatures. They're all hairy <laughs> and gross, and all they have is a face. Like It's like somebody popped off a head, and they're bouncing it around. But do you remember there used to be a toy that were the these... The Mad Balls. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Mad Balls. Yeah, that's what... If, imagine hairy Mad Balls. <laughs> Paging hairy <laughs> Mad Balls. <laughs> on my courtesy phone for Harry Madballs. Harry Madballs was the greatest magician of the 1800s, actually. So uh, imagine a bunch of Harry Madballs jumping all up and down and being super friendly with yep. Supergirl. Yeah. And then when Satan Girl shows up, they're all super <laughs> friendly towards her, too. And all the, the supers are like, what's going on? Why? And then Supergirl's like, oh. I know Satan Girl's secret. And then she turns and looks at the audience and goes, do you find out after page two? She does not. No, but it would make a lot more sense if they did. It'd be a very Ellery Queen sort of thing. But yes, Satan Girl has been a step ahead of her the whole time. It's as if she's been in her head. It's like it's like they're the same person, Stephen. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Supergirl seemed to arrive at the exact moment that she needed to arrive in the future. I wonder if anyone's ever overshot their time destination. Yes. They have. Uh, Superboy did that actually in uh, the uh, tabloid, the C-55, where Saturn Girl married Lightning Lad. He overshot and ended up too far in the future. Mm. Well, I wonder if that would ever happen to Supergirl. Could it? It could, and that's exactly what happens here. Uh, and while she's knocked out of the time stream or something, it's really convoluted. Uh, Hamilton yes. just doesn't understand the space-time continuum like Einstein or Matthew or me. Or, or you know, yeah. Yeah, really anybody, a six-year-old. Um, <laughs> Marty McFly. And apparently when you Are go you through the time stream... that you made a time machine out of red kryptonite and Supergirl's body? So apparently she gets exposed to red kryptonite, and red kryptonite really has... And I don't know if we've ever talked about red kryptonite on this podcast before. We've certainly talked about kryptonite on other podcasts, the Major Spoilers podcast, for example. But give, me, give us a quick rundown of what red kryptonite does. Because we know green kryptonite weakens or kills 
people from the planet Krypton, just like lead can weaken or kill people from uh, the planet Monel. And um, <laughs> Dax them. Um, but what what is this red kryptonite? Well, like green and blue and silver and most forms of kryptonite. Yeah, don't forget gold kryptonite. Don't forget gold. There's uh, yellow kryptonite, I believe, at one point. But it is radioactive fragments of planet Krypton, not the bar and grill that Booster tried to create, but in fact the deceased planet. Red kryptonite, however, has an unusual effect. Each Kryptonian is affected weird, wild, crazy ways, but can only be affected once by any given piece of red kryptonite. And each piece of red kryptonite affects each Kryptonian exactly the same way. And so any piece of red kryptonite will transform something weird and wacky for 48 hours, give or take. Usually um, it's quest. evil though, right? Well, it's chaotic. The classic story where Superman has an ant's head. Yeah. Red, red kryptonite. Oh, yeah. There's also the time where he demanded he tried to take over the planet and demanded yep, everyone call him King Superman. Red kryptonite. Yep. Generally speaking, you'll see that. Uh, if you ever watch Smallville, it always made yeah, them kind of. It just turned him into a douche. It made, yeah. it made him like narcissistic. <laughs> you, and and hateful, the, but... you and I were on the same wavelength there because I was thinking the exact same thing with the exact same wording. So red yep. kryptonite, bad. Red kryptonite has unpredictable, usually transformative effects. And this particular piece of red kryptonite apparently creates a duplicate Supergirl who's evil. And, and here's the other thing, and this is maybe a little bit of the sad part mm -hmm. of this story, is that Satan Girl, she knows she's bad. But yeah. she also knows that in 48 hours, that's when red kryptonite wears off. And she knows at the end of 48 hours, she's going to die. So yeah. in the end, she's actually attacking everyone to, I guess, draw out the red kryptonite from their blood or something, because the more red kryptonite she can consume, the right. longer she will be able to live. And ultimately, and this is the, the little sad part of the story from, from the Satan girl perspective, is she just wants to live, and all yep. these people are getting in her way and preventing her from living. Basically, she is siphoning the the Krypton, the Crimson Plague, uh, whatever it is, yeah. that the female Legionnaires are getting is actually her siphoning her own Red K radiation off into the other superheroes and trying, you know, to save herself. But unfortunately, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the Kara Zor-El because she's willing to kill nine superheroes in order yeah. to live more than 48 hours. Yeah. and it all comes crashing down, especially when one of them is lightning lass. Well, but, um, but wouldn't you, I mean, when you come down to that basic need of survival, mm -hmm. most people would probably be, would do anything to survive. I mean, we see things like the walking dead or these right. post-apocalyptic things like Mad Max, where right. in order for me to live, you're going to have to die. So from that kind of standpoint, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs of me live, you die. <laughs> right then it makes sense that Satan Girl is only trying to do her thing. Now, she could have gone about it a different way, and probably the Legion of Superheroes would have helped her, but right. Red Kryptonite, Evil Supergirl, Satan Girl. Right. And that is really the tragedy of Satan Girl, is that she could have gone to Supergirl and the Legion and said, hey, I'm a duplicate of you, I just want to live, it's not fair that I'm going to explode in 48 hours, or in this case, you know, merge back into your body like Sam Beckett. And leave a weird shell of a costume just perfectly <laughs> like formed. 
Well, like, yeah, like perfectly formed for people to pick up and carry around. Exactly. And that, I think, is probably a lot deeper than, uh, was this a Hamilton? This is a Hamilton. Yeah, this is Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, this is a lot deeper than Hamilton probably wanted to go. But it is interesting to look at this issue and break down how many hoops they had to jump through to, first of all, make their cover image interesting and fascinating. But, you know, when you said 313, 314 aren't on Comixology, my first thought was, yeah, that makes sense. They're really not that impressive. They're not very memorable. And with the exception of the name Satan Girl, which is top notch, I mean, that is... No, I mean, that's really good and edgy. That is great. It's top tier stuff. And with the exception of that name, there really isn't a whole lot clever here. This is a Supergirl story Mm -hmm. that hinges on your standard, your butt simple red kryptonite plot. All of the Legionnaires kind of get sidetracked. The female Legionnaires get short shifted hard and, you know, thrown in a quarantine on quarantine planet. So it's, it's, you know, it's a story that I can understand why it may not be readily available on the streaming because there isn't really, this is not something that gives us giant first appearances. Yes. Second appearance of the super pets, I'll grant you that. But even the super pets don't get any lines. You don't get, no, you know, you don't get going me. I'm crypto. Yeah. You don't get even, you don't even get a comic going, Oh gee, Supergirl, I sure do love you. I'm in love with Supergirl. Yeah. And you know what? If Comet's in love with Supergirl and Comet can see through lead, why does Comet kick the snot out of Satan girl? Yeah, exactly. Why? Is I don't know. Comet not- I'm, I, I'm not liking this issue. I mean, and not from the, here's a clever story featuring Supergirl, Superboy, Legion of Superheroes, Super Pets, and evil Supergirl. But from right. all the little meta stuff that can be drawn from this, that again, I'm sure was totally yeah. unintentional on Hamilton's part. But part of me, just like um, evil Jerry Siegel, Part of me thinks that this was written based on his preconceived notions of what happens to girls. Well, and there's definitely unfortunate, unfortunate implications to be had here. And when you break this whole story down, it's not one of the better, you know, early Legion tales. It's in, you know, it's not even one of the better Legion tales of this era, but it's one of those that I believe Satan girl reappeared in the 2000s, in the uh, post, post-zero post hour new Supergirl. Oh, really? With her midriff. Yeah, midriff miniskirt Supergirl. And did she turn out I, to be a, an amoebic blob that uh, just latched on to the Supergirl force? I don't remember because I didn't read it, but I yeah, remember seeing that and going, either. oh, yeah, Satan Girl. Yeah. She was vaguely memorable for a minute in Adventure Comics. Yeah, and really the issue is not that memorable, so let's move on. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Adventure Comics number 314, The Supervillains of All Ages, published November 1963, written by Edmund Hamilton with art by John Forte. The mightiest legionnaires are possessed by history's most evil minds. But who's behind it all? Now, Matthew. Yeah. If 313 isn't that great of an issue to be featured in comicsology, 
I'm yeah. sure Adventure Comics 314 has some something so shocking, <laughs> so shocking <laughs> that people will want to go out and read this book because mm -hmm. it's Legion tryout time again. Tryouts for the superhero. But that's not the reason why this should be on Comixology. No. We have, we have two we have two we have two new heroes or two new applicants that are trying to apply. First is Ron Carr, whose Ron Carr. superpower is flattening. Right. He turns into a piece of paper. And then yeah, which is, you know, it's great if we have to get under that door. Too bad you're too <laughs> wide to fit under that door. And then we have uh Alec Tor. Alactor. Alactor. There you go. Alactor. Alactor. He basically invents a Marvel belt. And we've, we have seen this exact same thing before. Remember, and I don't think it was a um, rich fancy kid that came down and just said, here's some bubbles. Let Buster, me join Buster, your Buster. legion. Yeah. But what if, remember how the legion said, huh, we don't, we don't take your kind. We don't take your richie riches and you don't have any powers. What if, because we never learned that kid's name, what if this is a few years later and a Lactor <laughs> is like, time for me to get my revenge on? Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. But no, it's a good theory. That's how I would have done it. Yeah. Interesting thing about these two applicants. Okay, uh, so Ron, Ron Carr, flattening guy. Ron yeah, Ron Carr actually reappears as a member of the Legion of Supervillains. What? Yeah. It, the and is it because story. he was rejected? Yes, yes. Oh, During the, man. The big war between the superheroes and the supervillains in Volume 3, Ron Carr reappears, and everybody makes fun of him because, you know, he's just using his powers to spy. Yeah. But he's not invisible. He's just flat. And, of course— Alactor, I don't believe Alactor reappears, but it, you remember Legion Lost that oh, launched yeah. out of the new 52? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah remember the that, villain that's of where... Legion Lost was Alastor. Oh, neat. Who traveled back in time, much as Alactor does here, and his whole thing is he went back in time and his plan is in the past and the Legion has to jump in a time bubble and try and fix it. Yeah, and then they, what ends up happening in that story is that they get trapped in the in the present and everyone 20%. in the future thinks that they're they're dead and gone and lost, and they're trying right. to find their way back to the future. Way back. Who wrote that? Was that Mark? Is that Mark Wade joint Legion Lost, or was that a Giffen? Oh, okay. I wonder if if somebody just put an S where a K should have been. I wonder. I I really do wonder if Alastor and Alactor are referential to the same. Either the same character or that same archetype, a callback that we're supposed to go, I remember that guy, or I remember a guy like that guy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So Alactor is like, I'll get you, Legion of Superheroes. I will yeah, miss you. And, and so there's a couple of things going on here that, and this is really crazy too, because when you think about it, mm -hmm. Superboy, Monel, and Cosmic Boy, Ultra Boy. They're, I mean, Ultra Boy, they are the most powerful members of the Legion of Superheroes. They are probably among the most powerful superheroes in the entire DC universe. And when you put the three of them together, they should be nigh unstoppable. They should be a Sharknado of Destructoids. So they, they together are three invulnerable super speed tornadoes of death. It would sure be a horrible thing if mm -hmm. something happened to those three. 
It'd be, it'd be terrible if something happened to your uh, powerful legionnaires there, Cosmic Boy. So apparently every so often a uh, wandering planet goes through our solar system. Oh, wandering I'm, I'm planet. Sure ah, if yep. you, I'm sure if you go into the, um, into the paranormal archives, you can find people that talk about the wandering planet X. But this one has a, a very catchy name. It's called The Lost World. And no, it doesn't have dinosaurs on it. <laughs> it's more like Forbidden Planet. And in Forbidden Planet, these, uh, these people find this, this uh, planet that has been exhausted of all life. But mm-hmm. all the technology remains. And it is some of the craziest, far out, most powerful uh, you know, machinery in all of the universe that anyone has ever seen. And that's what's on this Lost World. And so mm-hmm. the, it's going through our solar system. Again, Hamilton needs to work on his intergalactic space theories. Because once <laughs> it leaves our solar system, you know, there's other people on other planets that could go in and get to this lost world and get this weaponry. But while it's going through our solar system, mm-hmm. the Legion of Superheroes are like, okay, Ultra Boy, Monel, Superboy, you go protect that planet. Make sure no ne'er do wells. Right. Try to, to, to make off with, with this weaponry or with any of this uh, technology because it would really wreck havoc across this, the solar system. No butt faces are allowed to steal the technology from the lost world. Right. And but use it to clone velociraptors. We find out that Alactor really, he probably knew he was going to fail his Legion test. But what the Legion members didn't realize is that his, his Marvel belt was secretly capturing all of the images inside the clubhouse. So he knows all of their traps. He knows all of their secrets. He even knows the combination to the time bubble. Right. And by the way, getting into the Legion clubhouse is a huge pain in the butt. I mean, you have to knock three times. You have to knock three times and press the secret switch and do a super handshake and avoid the, the knobs on the floor and step on the tiles in a particular pattern. And, you know, what if you come home and you're tired? You've been to the Nine Planets uh, ice cream parlor. You've had way too much Venusian grape. You just want to come home and crash in your little uh, rocket bedroom. And boom, you step on the wrong tile and suddenly you're dead. Yeah. Boy, if we only knew a little bit more about that Legion Clubhouse. Maybe we'll find out more if about only. it in a future episode of the, oh, Legion, the Legion Clubhouse. Club. Yeah, right. But anyway, a lactor. What's that? Venusian grape. Oh, okay. I caught it. My favorite flavor. Yeah. yeah. So Alactor, he really wants access to the time bubble, and he gets in that time bubble, and he goes back in time, and he is going to get three of the world's worst people yes, to come forward in time to help menace. People in history. Yeah, that's why it's the supervillains of all ages. And so who does Alactor go back in, t- in time to get? Well, he goes back and gets Nero. Because Nero's a crazed, crazed person. From ancient Rome in the year 64 AD, he fiddled while the city burned. Welcome, Nero! And he's like, hey, I will speak Latin to him so he can understand me. And they make a point of saying, I will speak Latin to him. <laughs> but inter- interstellar Which, uh, physics kind of gets lost Well, uh, on so poor old Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, so does Rome. Okay. <laughs> Next, Alactor travels to Chicago. In the year 1934, he's got a Tommy gun and a friend named Homer. From the Biograph Theater, John Dillinger! And because... Yes, no, no. And because it's 1963, and the world is still reeling from another horrible, horrible person. No, we're not talking about... We're not talking about Eisenhower. 
Oh. We're, we're not talking about Edison. Oh. We're not talking about Nixon because, you know, we're about a decade before that. Well, Nixon was the governor of California, I believe. Well, there you go. Yeah. Nope. He's going to go back to the 1940s and get somebody super, super horrible. I'm, I'm not going to do a wrestling intro oh. for Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Nero, sorry. Dillinger, and Adolf Hitler show up in this issue. And not only that. I am not going to sully wrestling. At with one Adolf point. Hitler. At one point, one of the Legion members goes, Hitler was right. Yes. You've, everyone has seen that panel floating around on the internet where Elector puts the minds of Dillinger, Hitler, and Nero. Yeah. Right. Uh, cause, I right. could think of like and, 20 other worse people, like Attila the Hun. Right. You can think of worse people than Nero. I mean, you could, you could, you know, I don't know. Um, who's that guy who strangled everybody with the thing? What was his name? <laughs> the, the Boston Strangler? Burke and Hare. I mean, you can come Zodiac up with worse people than I mean, it could have gotten Ted, Ted Cruz to be one of the bad guys. That's still in the future, although the oh, Legion sorry. is in the future. So. <laughs> you but, think they would have seen this coming and prevented it. Superboy's body is inhabited with the personality of Adolf Hitler. Yeah, it's a mind and, swipe, right? I mean, it's, I know right. they say personality, but it is a mind swipe. Or at the very least, an overlay of the villain's personalities and, and ruthlessness on our heroes. I love, and, I love the mind swipe trope. I know some people get really tired of it, but time and time again, it's so cool to see, you know, suddenly, and it, it kind of goes along with issue uh, 313, where you get an evil version of Supergirl. This right. time it takes three boys to, to get inhabited or mind wiped by the, uh, by villains in order to equal the insanity that was Satan girl. <laughs> but I mean, I, I love it. I mean, you look at, um, uh, the Golden Age uh, series that DC put out, which has Hitler's brain being put into, uh, what was his name? Atomic Man? Dynaman. Dynaman. It's just, I love that trope for whatever reason, because the the shocking reveal that, oh, this person that I've been in love with all this time is secretly this evil person. <gasps> it's it's just no. a wonderful reveal when it happens. Now, unfortunately, kind of like the way Matthew revealed that the uh, the evil, evil uh, characters get transferred into our heroes, uh, that's kind of how they reveal it here. It's just like a Lactor comes to the to the Legion of Superheroes and is like, "You guys want to surrender now?" And they're like, "No, you dork!" And <laughs> and he's like, "All right, no, you're, he you asked for it. You now. <laughs> yeah, you asked for it." And then he goes and he gets this this technology off of this uh, lost world and and uses it to swap their minds. And it's just it's yeah. crazy times, man. And the best part is. Faced with Hitler, Nero, and Dillinger, Alactor says, now I saved you, so we've got a deal, right? And they're like, no, no, yeah. we're going to tie you up and beat you to death. But, <laughs> well, they don't beat him to death, but near, well, nearly death, mostly dead. Most, and, and mostly dead is still a little bit alive, which is good because he's the only one who can reverse the mind swaps. But it really is fascinating to me to see this the hierarchy of superheroes at Silver Age DC, because obviously Superman, Superboy, Supergirl, right, right. Tonians are at the top. Mon and Ultra Boy are like just a half step down. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the Legionnaires in this issue are treated as 15 guys who are outmatched by three. Well, but yes and no, because there is a really cool thing that happens in this issue that I thought was really cool, but also showcased why you don't want to 
go up against Superman, Monel, or or Ultra Boy, because right. Chameleon Boy, um, Invisible Kid, and Shrinking Violet, they're like, look, we need to infiltrate the bad guy base, and so a Chameleon Boy, you transform into one of the guys so that they don't know that it's that it's really you. And Invisible Kid, you go snooping around and seeing what information you can get. And Shrinking Violet, you shrink down to your little tiny size and you go in and try to flip some switches or something. I mean, they really have some specific uh, goals in mind for these three. Yep. And when you think about it, and we've we've kind of made fun of Invisible Kid a couple of times uh, yep. in this in this series um, because of kind of his dorkishness about what he does when he's invisible. I, I... forgot to turn myself back to visible. Oh, um, but I mean, when you think about it, if you're going undercover or are you yeah. sending somebody in on a mission that has to be covert, yep. those are the three Legionnaires at this point that are best suited for that job. Those are your guys. And later on, they will be codified into the Legion Espionage Squad. I under, love that. I love under that. Under Chameleon Boy's leadership. And later on, you'll see other members join, but it's always Chameleon Boy. And uh, later on, the second Invisible Kid will join after something happens to this Invisible Kid. But oh no, I like the fact he's gonna that forget to turn himself visible, and they left him well, in the closet. <laughs> with twenty-two <laughs> heroes in play, you kind of do have to, you kind of have to write in your super villain for Aquaman moment. Your oh, and here's a reason why someone has to swim. But they do it really well here that. The most powerful legionnaires of all time are here and they're evil. So who are we going to fight back with? Obviously, these three guys who have the subtlest, quietest powers. Mm -hmm. They're, I mean, the espionage squad. This is I consider this to be the first appearance of the espionage squad. Or I, I can I can see that. I mean, if if that's a really uh, a real thing for the legion to have in place and use on a regular basis, then by all means, yes, I would certainly count that as that. Absolutely, and when you see them in action. What they really do is distract the bad legionnaires, but they have the moment where it is fascinating that the team says, okay, how do we fight ultimate power? We fight them with guile, with sneakiness, and with super, you know, brainy thinking outside the boxery, although Brainiac is not in this issue. But that's kind of neat, seeing that Invisible Kid may be the person who's standing between super Hitler destroying the world and everything else. That, that is fascinating. Hitler's brain and Superman's body. <sighs> I, I know it's, I know it's a horrible idea, but you got to think in 1960s and even today, Nazis mm -hmm. are the Nazis are your go-to villains. And I know with Steve Rogers being a Hydra agent and all that stuff, people are kind of sick and tired of that trope. But even in the seventies and eighties, Matthew, when it yeah, came time to pull up some truly awful villains, it was always Nazis, and we they cheered were, that the bad guys were Nazis because it meant it was time to kick some Nazi butt. Right. They're unequivocally evil, and everyone agrees that they are unequivocally evil, or most everyone. Most yeah, everyone. and I say everyone cheers that the heroes, that the, the bad guys are Nazis because everyone knows Nazis are awful and deserve right. to be punched in the face. We hate Illinois Nazis. But right, but I mean, that's, that, was, that is a thing. This is, you know, after World War, well, during World War II and after, Nazis right. and Hitler are like the worst thing that you could ever you could ever present to people as a villain. And I'm sure Dillinger in his time was much feared and Nero in his time was probably much feared. But of these three, having yeah. Adolf Hitler stomping around inside your comic book is a little weird, but also 
probably right on target for the time period of the worst of the worst of the worst. Well, and this, you know, this is a book that came out 18, 19 years after the end of World War II. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't think it's a case of too soon necessarily, but I really dislike the fact that Hitler is in this. I really dislike it. Just, I don't know. It just feels like trivializing something that. Yeah, but Hitler was on the cover of Captain America getting punched by Captain America. Right. But at that time, he was an active threat. By 1963, he was deceased, and everyone was like, "Yes, he was. He was yeah, a, God a that jerk who gone. did these terrible right. Yeah, thank he God was he a killed jerk himself who did like terrible a things." <laughs> but it feels like in the far flung future. First of all, I'm a little bothered by the fact that a thousand years down the line, this is still the <laughs> <pin-> <laughs> yeah, these three are the worst. Yeah, right. But more so, it feels like only 18, 19 years after the fact we're starting to kind of fictionalize the terrible things that did in fact mm. happen. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. I dislike it. I disliked it when he appeared in fantastic four, which would have been a year or so after this, I think mm-hmm. as the hate monger, just there are some things I don't necessarily feel are ideas you should run with. It's like when you say, should Spider-Man unmask publicly in front of the TV? No, no, he shouldn't. But it would tell stories that no one's ever told before. The reason why they haven't told them is because they're closed-ended, they're mostly boring, and at the end, you're going <laughs> to have to undo, undo everything. Yeah. So, well, That's just an aside. No, but I can, I can totally understand that. But I think for this time period, and the fact that if you were to talk about horror, horrific villains, yeah. he would always be on everyone's number one list. He's definitely on the list, I'll grant you that. And the idea of him in a super speed Kryptonian body is horrifying. Definitely, yeah, it definitely ratchets up the tension here. But fortunately, yes, once again, the quiet powers take the day because it's Saturn Girl who gets the idea to telepathically remind these three superheroes who have major league weaknesses of what their weaknesses are. Mm hmm. The weakness to green kryptonite, the weakness to lead, and Ultra Boy's heretofore never mentioned uh, weakness to radioactivity. Well, that doesn't remember. make any sense. Well, yeah, he's he was empowered by ultra energy from the A space whale. whale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Radioactive <laughs> space, space whale. whale. Radioactive space so whale. All right. Radioactivity interferes with the uh, frequency of his uh, whale ultra energy the uh cosmic ambergris if you will that yeah. gives him his ultra juice well it makes sense because we've already seen that the the villains the the three villains of history mm-hmm. will do will turn on the person their savior in a moment's notice so it makes sense then that they mm-hmm. will stab each other in the back to get the lead also at the first chance they get and of course, the first chance they get is they all you know crack their heads together like giant coconuts <laughs> and uh, knock each other out. Where they all immediately whoop, 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 whoop at the same time. Yeah, yeah. They all fall down in a triangle of stupid. And so they won't. So they're able to put their minds back, return the villains to the past, and then they hide the lost world inside that that dark nebulous cloud that uh, Supergirl's been hiding the uh, puppet planetoid in all this time. The funniest part about it is Superboy has a gun that shoots radioactivity. Mm-hmm. Has a gun that sprays red kryptonite. But Ultra Boy just chucks this hunk of lead that he I found. I hit him with a dirt. rock. That's a I killer croc. I threw a rock at him. That's killer croc. <laughs> I almost got him. 
Um, so yeah, this is an interesting, this is an interesting story. Like I said, I like mind swaps with evil. It doesn't always have to be Hitler, but uh, I certainly like the mind swap fact, stories. I think it shouldn't be Hitler. Most no, it, it really shouldn't be. I like that this is the first appearance of the Legion of the Legion of Espionage Squad. But otherwise, you know, beyond those two kind of things that go on here, mm-hmm. well, again, Supergirl, I mean, um, Saturn Girl saves the day. Right. And we get that panel where Monel says, Hitler was right. Hitler was right. Now you know where that panel everybody comes from. likes to throw that around on the internet. You'll see a lot of it. It, it comes from this not particularly memorable or interesting issue of Adventure Comics. That, that's one. So here's a takeaway that we can get from this issue. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even the worst issues have that one meme panel that everyone yep. will share. I agree. The, sometimes, in fact, it's easier to make memeable moments out of a story where not really that much happens. Mm-hmm. Because if there was a strong context and this story ended with a big moral and everybody thought back and went, yeah, this is like, this is uh, hard traveling heroes. This is speedy with the, uh, with the, the heroine, this is the big moment. Yeah. This is who is Donna Troy. We would not make fun of that panel the way that we can now on the internet. And by the way, just go look for Monel Legionnaire Hitler. No, don't. No, I'll, I'll post it. I'll, I'll post it on, I'll post it so people can see it. In fact, before this issue even comes out, it's probably already been posted on our Legion Clubhouse Twitter feed. That's right. Legion Clubhouse on Twitter. That's where you can follow us and follow our adventures in comics or adventure comics, so to speak. Matthew, we've come to another issue of the Legion Clubhouse, and what did we learn this issue? Well, we learned that your metaphors for menstruation can be really, really problematic, especially if you stretch them a little bit too far. I think we also learned that it's a horrible idea to have Hitler in your comic books. (laughs) Yes, we learned that, and that is the lesson. That wraps it up for this issue of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for downloading and sharing this episode with a friend. We enjoy talking about the Legion of Superheroes so, so much. I think you can tell that uh, each and every week when we sit down to, uh, to tell our tales of, uh, of the Legion. Uh, we could use your help. Head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. If you got a little value out of this, if you've always wondered where Hitler's right came from, now you know. Got a little value out of that. Give a little back in return. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. So, until next time, I'm Keep Your Head in the Clouds, kid. And I'm Meteor Attractor Boy. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter, at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.